people so strongly identify with their diagnosis that they let them limit who they are. Mm-hmm. And for me, even when I was 18, there was always a bigger picture. It was like, I got to get to college, right? Um, it almost felt like an annoyance, all the doctor visits and the pills that I had to take. It was like, I have to get through college. And then it was like, I want to go to medical school. I got to get through medical school. It was not easy. There were times when I was sick. Um, I think the second year of medical school, I didn't go to any class. I just studied from home Whoa. Um, with the exception of like going to labs and stuff. But um, there was always a much bigger picture. And even when I think back to last year, right, the, the bigger picture was, well, I've, I've got to be impactful. I have a whole bunch of lives that I want to have a really positive impact on. I've got my two sons that I need to be there for. I need to live my life based on the purpose that I know that I have for myself, right? So there was always a bigger picture. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. All right, be it, babe. What is up? Okay, this guest. Cool AF. I'm so stoked. I could have talked to him for another hour. I'm going to have to have him back on. So send me your questions because um, we should all have uh, a brain doctor in our pocket who is so honest and also has been on the other side of health. And I am so, so thrilled. You know, um, Dr. Philippe Duon is our guest today and he was referred to me from a friend and I was like, oh yeah, I definitely, I want to know the neurology to being it till you see it. And y'all, we talk a lot about the things you need to watch out what you're putting into your brain. We also talk about the power of your brain and, uh, well, he is just a freaking wealth of knowledge as one who is a brain doctor should be. Um, and there's a freaking awesome gift for you at the end. So I'm just going to be honest. You're going to want to take him up on it. I hope that you do, but here's the good news. The good news is you have the power to change your thoughts. And so you get to hear how that is possible, uh, in this interview. And, you know, I hope that you are allowing yourself to be as curious as, as you can. Because I think too often we think that things are set in stone or that if it went one way at one time, it's always going to go that way all the time. And that's just not the case, right? You'll see actually, if you're watching this on YouTube, you know, Zoom works in color all the time. And then today, (laughs) today, uh, his Zoom is in black and white and it wasn't the filters and it wasn't the background. It was just technology. We recorded this in retrograde. So, you know, uh, that was on us. But the truth is, is that not everything will go exactly the way you expect. And that means on the, on the sides of that, of those expectations being not good for you. Meaning you can think, well, every time I do that X is going to happen, but what if you choose to see it differently and how can you use your brain to actually see more possibilities? How can you use your brain to see what it is that you want to see in the world? You know, this is just freaking the coolest thing. I'm, 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 I'm going to stop talking because I really just want you to hear Dr. Philippe Duan talk to you, but 
Y'all, um, he has a podcast. Y'all are going to want to listen to that if you get really intrigued about the brain. And he has a book and um, he has a course and he has a lot of things to help you take control of your brain and be it till you see it. So here he is. Hey, Viet listener, it's time. It's time to get your full body in 15. That's right. The registration doors have opened for our second backed by popular demand full body in 15 program. So it is a full body workout in 15 minutes. Um, this is for you if you have access to a mat and you are anywhere from what is Pilates to, oh my gosh, Pilates, I really need to get back into that. <laughs> or somewhere in between. You know, the truth is we want to make sure that there is a program for our mat lovers out there. Those of you who really want to get into a consistent workout, you don't have a lot of time and you also want to make sure you're doing it right. So in this week-long program, you have access to me and the OPC teachers. We have three live workouts for you where I'll actually answer all of your questions. I'll teach you about habits. I'll teach you how to do each one of the exercises on your own to be your own teacher. At the end of the week, you have a 15 minute workout you have to take with you wherever you're going. You'll also have the foundations to up level into longer Pilates workouts wherever you are. So go to onlinepilatesclasses.com slash be it one five. That's onlinepilatesclasses.com slash B-E-I-T one five. See you there. Welcome back, Be It Till You See It listeners. I have a really cool guest. I'm so excited for Dr. Philippe Duyan to tell you his story. And also, we're going to talk about your brain. We're talking about neuroplasticity. We're going to get a little nerdy on this. And I'm I'm really excited. So I hope you want to nerd out with me. Um, Dr. Philippe, will you please share uh, with our listeners who you are, where you're rocking um, from? How are we getting to have you on this show today? What do you got? Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. Like, I, I am super excited to be here today because not only am I a big fan of yours, but also today is the one year anniversary of my kidney transplant. So and I, I get know. it to celebrate with you. So I, I'm super stoked. So oh my God. This is awesome. This yep. is so cool. This is like, it's like my birthday. It's actually like my third birthday. <laughs> yeah. This is like your third birthday. Oh my yeah. God. That is, yeah. first of all, thanks for sharing that with, with sharing this day with us. Um, you could be doing so many things. <laughs> um, this is really, really cool. So we'll tell everyone, like, your transplant. I mean, you'll tell us that. I definitely want us to find out why we're celebrating this anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, this sort of season is kind of like graduation season, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I often end up reflecting on my last big graduation, which was medical school. And that was in May of 2007, you know, so I'm kind of dating myself right now. Right. No, but you're not. Cause like you go to school forever to be a doctor. Right. You do go to school forever to be a doctor. I'm not sure I would do it ever again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So when I reflect on that, right. I start to think about what I was feeling around that time. And most people that I was graduating with, I mean, they were super excited. They were done with school finally. They were going into their internships. They were going to different parts of the country. They were getting ready. They, they were now doctors. So they were mm -hmm. getting ready to treat people. And probably most importantly, they were going to start making a little bit of money. Right, because right. Right. medical school costs a couple of dimes. <laughs> yeah, it costs a couple hundred thousand dimes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but when I reflect on, on that time period, I, I was terrified, mm. not because I was going to be a doctor, but I was terrified because eight days after graduating from medical school, I was walking into the operating room at New York Presbyterian Columbia in order to have a kidney transplant. And my, my dad was my donor. So I was lucky and I was blessed. Right. But there was nothing in my medical school training in my life up until that point to prepare me for that experience. 
But there were a lot. There were a lot of lessons that I learned from that time period and what I went through that really helped me just to become a much better doctor, um, really helped me to appreciate life more, really helped me to accomplish my goals and dreams, and also really helped me last year when I ended up hospitalized with COVID, ended up on dialysis, and had to go through this process all over again. Oh my goodness. I think that's people's like worst nightmares having to relive the thing that they <laughs> thought they got over, you know, like, like you're like, Oh, I did the transplant thing and you learned so much and then you had to do it yeah. again. Um, that had to be really hard. Also, thank you for sharing that. I, I kind of forget that I graduated college at some point <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, I, you're right. There's so many people who are so excited. And then there's also some people who have reasons to be terrified, worried, or nervous. And so that is scary for you to go through that because unfortunately they don't teach you that in medical school. Like, wouldn't it be so nice if they're like, this is how it is to be a patient. Um, I I think I feel like that's a topic for another day, how that could change our medical industry here. But, um, can you, so you have been a doctor for a long time and you've had to be a patient a couple of times. Like, how does that, how, how has that affected your practice and how you treat patients? Yeah. I mean, so I've been a patient my entire adult life because I was diagnosed with kidney failure when I was 18 years old. So I went through college and kidney failure. I went through medical school and kidney failure. And so for me, it allows me to really relate to my patients, right? Because I know what it's like to look in the mirror and not recognize who you are anymore. I know what it's like to take a whole bunch of pills and have a whole bunch of side effects, right? I know what it is like to face your mortality and be uncertain about the future. And so when I am having conversations with patients, it's not coming from this doctor who's so far removed from what they're going through, but it's coming from somebody who is just like them, Yeah. right? And so we can have those really deep sort of conversations that allow us uh, to connect. Wow. So many things like to be an 18 year old and be told something that feels limiting in your life um, and uncertain. You know, I think um, I'm thinking about some of our, some of our specific listeners. So I know what they're going through and, and it is not easy to show up every day when you have this other thing that happens to be like your mortality in, in, on the back of your mind. And I would just wonder like, how did you do that? How did you go to college with, you know, knowing you needed a transplant and how did you choose to go to medical school? Knowing you, like how, what is the brain? What did you tell yourself every day to make that happen? Cause so many people would just sit around and just wait for the transplant. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I see patients all the time who really just strongly identify with whatever the diagnosis is that they have. So I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So by training, I'm an epilepsy specialist. So I treat people with uh, seizure disorders. Mm. And there was this patient that I had gotten him seizure free for now more than a year. And he was coming in for his six month follow up, you know, and he was like, yeah, I haven't had a seizure since our last visit. I'm like, great. So what have you been doing? And he's like, nothing. I have epilepsy. And I'm like, mm. you're not, you're not working. <laughs> you're not doing anything else. And he's like, no, no, I'm not. And I was like, are you just waiting for the next seizure to happen? Right. Because people so strongly identify with their diagnosis that they let them limit who they are. Mm. And for me, even when I was 18, there was always a bigger picture. It was like, I got to get through college. Right. Um, it almost felt like an annoyance, all the doctor visits and the pills that I had to take. It was like, I have to get through college. And then it was like, I want to go to medical school. I got to get through medical school. It was not easy. There were times when I was sick 
um, I think the second year of medical school, I didn't go to any class. I just studied from home um, with the exception of like going to labs and stuff. But um, there was always a much bigger picture. And even when I think back to last year, right, the, the bigger picture was, well, I've, I've got to be impactful. I have a whole bunch of lives that I want to have a really positive impact on. I've got my two sons that I need to be there for. I need to live my life based on the purpose that I know that I have for myself, right? So there was always a bigger picture and I never strongly identified what the diagnosis was. It was never the book on Philippe Dion. It was just a chapter in Philippe Dion's book. Mm. Oh, I hope everyone just heard that because that is so good. That is, we, you're right. People, people take a diagnosis or they take, maybe it's not even a medical diagnosis. Maybe it's like a divorce or a lost job or, you know, um, um, I, I, I have, my listeners know that like, there's a time I was without a, without a house and they take those moments and they make that the book and you're, right. it is just, it's a chapter or a story within a chapter. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. That is so good. Right. So what did you have to tell yourself? Was it just, did you have the vision on the board? Did you have it in your mind? Were you journaling? Like, what was it that kept it in your mind's eye? Because I can imagine the pain and yeah. the, like, I would say probably weakness and struggles like to get up every day. Like, how did you keep that in the forefront of what you were doing? Sure. So there's a different experience I had when I was like 18, 19 and in my 20s versus now as uh, or last year, somebody who was 42 and a lot more mature and reflective. Right. So certainly when I was younger, um, I had to get through the anger, the resentment, the why is me, the victimization. Mm. Right. Um, I needed to be able to push through that. And that took up a lot of space and energy in my life. But last year, I, I didn't go through that at all. Mm. Right. And so it was having a vision for what I wanted my future to look like that kept me going last year. Right. The reality is that vision, our, our, our vision, our sense of vision, mm-hmm. there is one lobe in the brain completely responsible for vision. Stop. It is the only sense that has one lobe dedicated to it. Right. Really? A whole lobe? Yeah. Just for our, just for our vision, just for our vision, right? The occipital lobe, right? And so when you're visualizing what you want something to look like, it is incredibly powerful because it really allows you to reorganize all the the wiring within your brain. It allows you to make new neurons and make new connections within your brain. And then when you start visualizing something and you really start to focus on it, not only do you start seeing clues in the universe that um, are like, oh, okay, maybe this is attainable, mm-hmm. right? But then you start believing that that's going to come true. And then when you start believing that it's going to come true, then you start acting upon that, right? And so visualizing what I wanted my future to look like was incredibly important. Because one of the things that I see all the time, especially people on dialysis, they look like they are waiting to die, Yeah. right? They look like they're, they're just waiting for the end to come. Yeah. And just for, just for people who maybe don't know what dialysis is, can you just do the quick, like layman's terms of what that entails? Because from what I know, this is like, this isn't like you're going like every once in a while into the doctor. This is like almost a daily thing, right? Yeah. So this is a three time a week thing. Okay. So your kidneys filter your blood so it can remove toxins. And when your kidneys aren't working well, then you need a way to do that. And dialysis is a way to do that. So through that dialysis, you either have like a port in your chest 
or they uh, make graft in your arm and they're able to stick some tubes in three times a week for uh, about four hours at a time. And they literally just suck your blood out and it goes through a machine that then filters the blood and then the blood comes back into your body. And it feels like they are just, you know, sort of draining the life out of you when this is happening. Yeah. Right. So dialysis is not an easy uh, process for anybody. Yeah. So you were for, so during last year, you were going through dialysis. So every other day you're every other day sitting Monday, Wednesday, Friday, sitting in this <laughs> chair um, next to a bunch of people yep. waiting to die. And you are visualizing what you're wanting next. All right. So let me, let me take it back a step. Yeah. So when I was told that I was going to need dialysis, I, I cried. I was actually hospitalized for COVID. I cried, right? And then I had to make a decision. I had to decide, am I going to do dialysis the way I've seen all these other patients do it in the hospital? Mm. Or am I going to do dialysis my own way? And so after I let all those tears out, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do dialysis my own way. Yeah. I traveled on dialysis because you have dialysis centers all around the country, all yeah. around the world, right? So they'll set up for you you know, in some other part of the country. So I, I traveled on dialysis. I had a local news agency follow me <laughs> around. So like I had to take videos in the, the dialysis center for them, which I'm sure the center was not happy about. <laughs> um, you know, I had to, uh, I took business meetings during dialysis and I certainly rested also. Yeah. Right? I, I listened to my body, but I was like, I'm not doing this the way that I've seen other people do mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that is. So that is a very important step. And thank you for highlighting it. Like you made a decision around yeah. how you're going to do something. And I think a lot of people don't realize the agency or the choice they have to go into a lot of the things that are obstacles or frustrations or a medical condition. Um, does it make it, does it, you know, I hate, I don't want anyone who is going through something to think that like, I don't think that there's pain in what you're going through, but I do think that um, we too often don't give ourselves the opportunity to find some good or find some opportunity or find some something out of the thing that we're going through. Right. You know, and I think no matter what we're going through in life, that you can pull something good out of it. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, think about it very differently. Um, so that way you can potentially learn a lesson in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And for me, part of that, um, was that, yeah, dialysis was something I was very fear fearful about. I made a decision, decided to do it differently, mm -hmm. right? And now I can go and speak to people who are on dialysis and teach them how I did it, right? Yeah. And some of the, the lessons that I've learned, well, you know, we're talking about sort of my journey through kidney disease and transplant, but they're applicable to anybody. It doesn't have to be a medical issue, you know, it could certainly be addiction, which is a medical issue. It could be person that lost that job, right? It could be a um, person, like you mentioned, who got divorced. It could be somebody who's struggling in business. It could be anything. Yeah. There's always something good to pull out of it, but it all depends on your perspective. Yeah. So let's talk about perspective. Mm -hmm. Is that a pre-wired thing in our brain to have perspective? Of the, maybe you don't know the answer, but I'm curious. Like, is glass half full versus glass half empty like a set set setting in your brain based on genetics, or is that something that we can <laughs> we can make a decision around? <laughs> well, you can always make a decision around, but I will say this: the priority that your brain has, the reason, one of the big reasons that you actually have a brain, 
is to keep you safe. That is its first responsibility to keep you safe. And so your brain is always going to lean towards the negative, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's, listen, if you're scared of something, I mean, it's it's essentially keeping you safe, right? If you're not taking that risk, it's essentially because there is uncertainty in things that are unknown. It is keeping you safe, Mm -hmm. right? But sometimes the brain's, because the brain focuses so much on keeping us safe, it can potentially hold us back. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why I talk to people all the time about, like, you have to take charge of your brain. You've got to be the leader that your brain so desperately needs you to be in order for you to create an amazing life for yourself. Yeah. So (laughs) which lobe do I need to turn (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> like the the like i'm th- i'm picturing this right because i'm, I'm yeah. a visual person so i'm like picturing like a video of like i have to take charge of my brain but isn't that my brain taking charge of my brain <laughs> <laughs> no no you know? okay no see because i would say that the fact that you are aware of your thoughts the fact that you are aware that you have a brain mm-hmm. means that there's a higher level of consciousness mm-hmm. you just have to tap into it Yes. Oh, thank you for explaining that. Cause now I, now I don't feel like it's like, like those Russian dolls. That, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what part is it? So, so that makes sense. So for everyone listening, I hope you just got full permission. Like, it's okay. If you're like, wow, I don't like how I'm thinking negatively. Like you're predisposed to keep you safe, to keep you alive, to think that way. And yeah. then you, we all have to take this higher consciousness that we have, cause we do all have it. And and tell ourselves how we're going to think because we we can tell that that situation is actually not the same as a tiger chasing after us, you know. <laughs> right. Exactly, right? So, you know, um first of all, you so you're a doctor for epilepsy. You've studied the brain. What made you want to do that and what it what it what what have you seen that is applicable to people with, with all have a brain? So you know we don't all like. Is there anything that we could be doing better with our own mind right now and and what we're doing? Sure. So so I'm a neurologist. So I'm a a doctor who you know treats people with brain and other neurological disorders, nerve disorders, spinal cord issues. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of subspecialized in epilepsy. And so the reason that I went into neurology and then epilepsy was. When I was a kid, I had a cousin uh, who had epilepsy and she ended up growing out of it. And then two, also when I was young, I had a grandmother who developed Alzheimer's disease. Mm. And, you know, those two disorders are really devastating for the person going through it, but they're also devastating for the family, right? And so while I was watching my family members go through what they were going through, there was that part of me that started to realize, man, when the brain works the way that it's supposed to, it's absolutely phenomenal, yeah. right? So it was this fascination that I had with the brain that led me down sort of this path. And so in medical school, right? I mean, you, you just learn about diseases and treating them with medications and whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is everything that we do every single day impacts the health of our bodies. It impacts the health of our brain. And it has an impact on our neurological destiny and how our lives turn out. Mm. Well, <laughs> now, taking that in, because I think so often we excuse that I'll do that tomorrow. I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. Oh, I'll, you know, buy that healthier groceries type thing tomorrow. Like we kind of procrastinate, but really like it almost sounds like it's compounding. Like if it's every single day, everything we do is going to affect our brain and our body, then mm-hmm 
the sooner the, like, it's almost like the more time you have giving your brain and body what it needs, the better. Absolutely. I mean, when we think about, so your brain is considered to be the most complicated structure in the entire solar system, right? It's in the got, solar and system? I never. In the solar system, <laughs> right? I mean, but look, we haven't explored, like I haven't been to other parts of the solar system, right? right? right. So, so I have no idea. I've, you know, and humans tend to be biased. So who knows? The whale's brain <laughs> could be far more complicated than our brain, right? But, <laughs> but um, our brains have anywhere between 60 to 100 billion neurons, right? Neurons are not even the primary cell type in the brain. There are a whole host of other cells called glial cells that are just there to help neurons out and support neurons. They outnumber neurons like nine to one, 10 to one. Oh my goodness. Then you've got neurons connect with each other. They make trillions of connections, right? So you've got 60 to 100 billion neurons. You've got other cells that are outnumbered nine or 10 to one, and you've had all these connections. That is incredibly complicated, you know? Yeah. Um, and the reality is there are things that we do every single day that influence whether or not we lose neurons or make more neurons. Mm. But if you start thinking a certain thought, okay. right? And maybe it's a brand new thought, thought you've never had before, right? You'll make new neurons around that thought. The more you think about that thought, the more hardwired it gets into your brain, the more connections that it makes, right? And so you want to be being aware of the thoughts that you're having. And then you also want to be making sure that you are leaning towards the positive and not towards the negative. Yeah. Yeah. Because why our thoughts become facts. And like, I forget the number, but somebody, you might know it. Um, there's like some number of like how many thoughts we have in a day and how like yeah. 90% of them are the same thought. Like we're not yeah. having new thoughts. And so no. you're just hard, like, that's just further hardwiring, even a negative thought or mm -hmm. something that's holding you back. Yeah, it's, it's thought that we have anywhere between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. I don't know who counted that. I don't know how they counted that. <laughs> I've always wondered. I'm like, who right, did that? So, yeah, I have no idea, right? And like you said, 90 95% of those thoughts are the same exact thoughts we had yesterday, right? So no wonder why people's lives aren't changing. Right. And then 60 to 70% of those 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts are negative. Yeah. And so you wonder why everybody's freaking miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we can make a decision. There's that. We can have mm -hmm. a thought and we can look for evidence to solidify that thought in our mind. Yep. Is there anything else we can do? Because um, as we talked about before we hit record, like our minds are holding us back. Like I think yep. any person listening to this can pretty much do whatever they are wanting to do. Like there, the, we live in a very awesome time to have whatever dream you want and meet the person, find the people, raise the money to do the thing. So what is it in our brain? What lobe is it? Where is it that we, that is like holding us back? Is it that, that negative mindset? Is it the repetitive thoughts? Like, where is that coming from? Yeah. I mean, you, you, it, it's, it's all of it. Right. And certainly our frontal lobes, um, are incredibly important in our ability to think about tasks, organize them and execute those tasks. Right. And so you really want to be incredibly mindful of what you are letting into your brain. And it's not just the thoughts that you're letting in. It's the foods that you're eating. It's what you're drinking. It's all of it, right? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't listen to the news anymore. Right. right. When COVID happened, I was glued to the news, right? <laughs> I remember in December, uh, what are we, 2022? Yeah. December uh, 2020. Yeah. Right. I'm listening to the news about COVID and they're like 300,000, you know, new people were infected today. And I remember thinking to myself, damn, 
everybody's going to get infected. If you're infecting 300,000 people every day, yeah. eventually it's going to hit everybody, right? Yeah. Two weeks later, I was hospitalized with COVID. Now, I am a medical doctor, okay? So, <laughs> so in theory, I know how viruses work. I know how you know, they move between people. But there was still part of me that was like, damn, did I attract this thing into my mm. life because I was so fixated on it? Yeah. After that, I was like, I need to be very mindful of what I am letting into this brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, I, you know, you're, you're right. I listened to this one podcast with my husband and one of the hosts was like asking someone who's very prominent in the news, very on top of like what's happening in the world. The guy goes all over the world and just happens to be there when there's these humanity needs. And they're like, so how, who get? how do you get the news? What do you watch? How do you get this? He's like, I get the, I get the news like you do. And I also only get it from like 10 minutes a day. And I was like, what? And the guy was like, what? And the other host was like, you don't turn it on the moment you wake up. Don't you need to know what's going on? And you could just hear in the voices, like the, like the nervousness, the stress of this person who is like glued to the news versus the person who's (laughs) part of what is happening in the news. And he was like, not that he was like, you know, let it all be, but he wasn't as urgent. And I, I do think that like, we have to, I agree because I've uh, we don't have a TV in our house. I haven't had a TV since mm, 2013, and so um, part of that is because as soon as I get in a hotel room, of course I like turn the TV on and then it's the news and it's just like it is a lot of intensity. I end up being so depressed and I'm like yeah. in a beautiful city <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, the world's crashing in. So you are saying you like you're very mindful of like what am I going to let in the spring? What thoughts am I going to have? And, and all of that so that you can continue to do what it is that you do right. each and every day. So, okay, that's that's interesting. So for those of us who are trying to be it till we see it, we actually have to make a decision mm-hmm. first of like, how do we want to do things differently? How do we want to yep. think about our thoughts? How do we want to handle the thoughts we don't want to have anymore? Um, it's very much being aware <laughs> of what you are doing all the time, which yeah. For mo- most of us, that's like common sense, but also not because too many of us just rely on like our brain to go on autopilot. Right. Yeah. And but one of the keys is not to be so hard on yourself also. Right. Because mm-hmm. you're going to have negative thoughts. I have negative thoughts. Right. You're going to have moments where you're like, oh, you know, I caught this on Instagram and I'm like fixated on it or some something. Right. Or you'll have those friends that like to complain and you'll catch yourself in you know, 10 minutes that you're just, that's all you're doing with them, complaining about life with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's about not being so hard on yourself, but the more that you're aware that you're doing this, the Mm -hmm. easier it'll get, um, the quicker you'll, you'll realize when these things are happening and the easier you'll be able to shift to a more positive mindset. Right. So I'm, I'm even very mindful of who I have around me. I'm like, Oh, if you're complaining way too much today, yeah, I love you, but you need to go over there. <laughs> I hear you. I was um I was on a trip and I could I, I was I was in our our van and I was changing and um I could hear our friends and one of them was saying something. I'm like, oh my god, he this is the seventeenth negative thing he said today. Like, what are we are we gonna say something positive? Like they all can't all be bad. Like, look where we are. <laughs> We're in this beautiful place, and it's so um, I think. Um, I think where a lot of people get hung up is they don't want to let people down. They don't want to be the per. you know what I mean? Like we all, there's a lot of stories that we tell ourselves, which are just right. repetitive thoughts that we are continuing right. to have and keep around. So, so, okay. Question for you. Yeah. Um, with, with all of this, with, with our, with our brain, with how, 
what is something that you see people could easily do that they're not doing that could benefit their brain so they could continue to live their life to what they want to live? Is it, is it, um, is it a brain game? Is it Sudoku? Like, what do I got to do? No, no, (laughs) no, it's not Sudoku and it's not any brain games. It's nothing that they sell you. It's not, you know, it's not some, I have, I have a new drink. Yeah. I have a new game. That's like, this will tell you how old your brain is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I haven't played it. I get the ads. I'm like, I'm like, is this real? So thank you. It's not. I won't yeah, download it's that. It's not. <laughs> although, although you know, I shouldn't say that because I did create a game called Doctor Dion's Brain Fit. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's well, not it's not in the game. If it's not t- it's not titled with your name on it, then it's not. It's not it. <laughs> it's not. No, no, no. Doctor Dion's Brain Fit is very different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it it's it's things that we can easily do every day. So I've got like this this neurological pyramid and that has steps that you can do to keep your brain very healthy and Mm. keep yourself very healthy and it's not complicated it is exercise exercise is the biggest promoter of neuroplasticity that's your brain's ability to adapt to heal and to learn it's your brain's ability to make new neurons and new connections exercise is the biggest promoter of that right so you want to be exercising on a regular basis yeah so you said neuroplasticity Mm-hmm. I know it as a plasma instructor. I one of my my girlfriends teaches it, but for the person who's like, "What neuroplast? What can you tell people what that is?" Yep, yep. So for an incredibly long time, we thought that our brains were very static, like they did not change at all, unless we got a brain injury that wiped out some neurons, or we got like Alzheimer's, you know, which is mm-hmm. a, a neurodegenerative disease, and you start losing neurons, mm-hmm. right? But what we now know is that our brains are constantly changing. They're constantly evolving every single day. They're evolving with the the thoughts that we have, the actions we take, the experiences that we're having. And the reality is that we are in control of our brain's ability to evolve, Mm -hmm. our brain's ability to make new neurons and make new connections. And that's really what neuroplasticity speaks to. It's the brain's ability to change. Very cool. Okay. All right. So... So you have, um, so thank you for that. So you have a pyramid that we can do that helps with that neuroplasticity that helps us continue to evolve in our brain. I love this. Very cool. Okay. So, um, Dr. Fleep, Dion, this is amazing. I really actually didn't realize how much I want to nerd out about the brain (laughs) but I'm really excited about it. Um, I want to take a quick, quick break and then I want people to figure out how they can basically stock you on this brain game of yours. All right, where my teachers at, my studio owners, my apprentices at, my home studio owners, independent teachers, I'm talking to you. I want you to listen up right now. Here's the deal. There's a, so much admin that is required to run a business, and it could mean the difference between you growing your business and you having time off. And the important thing to me is that you have time off. You have time away from your business because you do not work 24-7. And I know you're thinking, oh, it's just one hour on this one day or not really a big deal. My clients text me and then I book them. And you know, I really like to book them because I like to be in control. Stop right there. (laughs) Here's the deal. You have to have a barrier between you and your business. It is so important that you get to have a day off where you are not being texted by a client who wants to reschedule a session from two weeks from today, but then they want a day that you don't have and you're going back and forth. It's just this once. It's not just this once. It's happening too often. And so I want you to try the 30-day trial of the scheduling tool that I have partnered up with. It is freaking amazing. They have over 33 features. I have a coaching video for each one of those features to let you know if it's right for your business. And every single week, anybody who's using my version of the scheduling tool gets coaching tips from me. 
That's right, coaching tips from me. So you are not alone in running your business and you get to feel like you have this 24 seven assistant you've always wanted. Plus they have an incredible support team, like literally real life human beings who will help you transfer from whatever tool you have to theirs. And if you don't have one yet, they're still gonna be able to help you. Do not be scared of the tech. I promise you, your phone is more technological than what you're going to be using for the scheduling tool. So go to Profitable Pilates slash scheduling tool. Profitable Pilates slash scheduling tool to get on this 30-day trial. Okay, so where can people find you, follow you, learn about how they can work with their brain better? Yeah, so they can follow me on the social media channels like Instagram, it's philippe.md. That's my uh, handle. Um, they can go to my website, which is www.inlebrainfitinstitute.com, or they can just email me at philippeduyon at gmail.com. And if they email me that, um, <laughs> if they email me um, with be it till you see it in the subject line, I will send them my free ebook. Oh, that is so fun. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Get your ebook. I want it. Um, okay. So we'll put all those things in the show notes. It's really easy for you to click on and get those things. So we ask everyone, how do we actually take action on all this? So bold, executable, intrinsic or targeted steps people can take to be yep. until they see it. What do you have for us? <laughs> so here's what they can do. First, they need to change the way that they think about things, right? And one of the ways that you do that is you read different material, you have different experiences, you surround yourself with different people. Um, so changing the way that you think about your life and your health is incredibly important. We talked a little bit about exercise. Exercise every single day. Mm -hmm. Get your body moving. Right? I said before, that's the biggest promoter of neuroplasticity. You want to visualize. Right? I said that, look, you've got an entire lobe that is dedicated to your vision. You want to visualize. And just so the people who are watching this podcast realize, yes, I am in black and white. <laughs> I am in 2022. This is a technical issue. This is not a visual problem with your brain. Do we're, not call your local neurologist. We are recording this. <laughs> we are recording this during retrograde, everyone. I just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want to make a decision in terms of what you decide to focus on. We have a group of neurons in the brain called the reticular activating system. When you decide that something is important to you, it starts, it gets your brain to focus on all those things that are related to it. So if it's something that's negative that you focus on, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to pull everything negative. So if I'm having a bad day and I'm like, oh, that person just pissed me off. It's going to be like, well, not only did that person pissed me off, the world sucks. My life sucks. That book I'm reading sucks. All of it, right? Um, so you want to focus on the positive. And I'll give you an example of this. So once I got like this, I had this red car, this red Volkswagen Golf, right? Um, I had never seen it before I got it. Then all of a sudden, I'm seeing a whole bunch of people on the road with this red Volkswagen Golf. That is the reticular activating system saying, hey, because this is now important to you, because you have one, I'm going to focus on all the red Volkswagen Golfs that are driving down the street. Right? <laughs> that, has, that I know because I had a Mini Cooper. I noticed that. And when I got a Jeep, I noticed that. And now yeah. I want a G-Wagon. Like I want yeah. it. I see G-Wagons <laughs> everywhere. I only see G-Wagons. I don't see other cars. And yeah. I also have gotten other people's reticular, reticulating, activating systems to see G-Wagons for me. So I get pictures right. like, hey, look at this one. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll see, see 
you know, some tonight when I'm driving. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's powerful. Yeah. Got it. Oh, man. Yeah. These are these are so cool. Mm-hmm. These, first of all, like unique and amazing and also um, very tangible and doable. I really think right. so. Thank you for yeah. thank you for being here. We'll have to have you back because I'm sure Brad's going to totally nerd out about this. Um, and uh, for all that you're doing to help all of us truly like take ownership of our brain and like where we're going with it. We need more people like you in this planet. So thank you for being here, everyone. How are you going to use these in your life? I want you to tag philippe.md, tag the beat pot. Let us know which of the takeaways, the beat action items you're using or just what he said. And remember, if you email him, but the emails down there. If you email him, you can put be till you see it in the subject line and he'll send you a free ebook, which I don't know about you, but I like free things. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone, until next time, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the Be It Till You See It podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of As The Crows Fly Media. It's written, produced, filmed, and recorded by your host, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Kroll. Our associate producer is Amanda Fratarelli. Kevin Perez at Desenio handles all of our audio editing. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music. And our branding by designer and artist, Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to our designer, Jaira Mandal, for creating all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast, and our digital producer, Jay Pedroso, for editing all the video each week that you can. And to Angelina Herrico for transcribing each of our episodes so you can find them on our website. And finally, to Meredith Kroll for keeping us all on point and on time. <laughs>